0: Father God in heaven we praise you We exalt you You are great You're awesome You're magnificent You're holy You're eternal You're unchanging Hebrews 13.8 You're the same yesterday, today and forever Lord Jesus And we praise you for that So Lord give us freedom this morning Freedom to love you To trust you to grow in you, Lord God, to to take your word to heart and change us and transform us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen, Amen. you may have a seat. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. This morning we'll be in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses... uh, 1-6. one through six. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope have had a great week. Hope you're prepared for life group tonight. I'll mention it at the end of my message. But uh, we got life group meeting tonight, and I hope you'll, um, if you get if you get an opportunity, you'll be a part of the life group ministry. But First John chapter four, verses one through six. Right in the middle of this this uh, book that John's writing, First John chapter four, it's like he stops his thought for a moment and he goes into this passage what we'd call testing the Spirit. So let's take a look at it. 1 John chapter 4, we're only going to look at six verses this morning. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The title of my message this morning is Testing the Spirits. Testing the Spirits. You and I are called to test the spirits according to the scripture. When it comes to spiritual, eternal truth, there's only two spirits in this world. Look at verse 6. It says, he lays it out the last verse. There's two spirits in this world. What are they? The spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth comes from the Holy Spirit. The spirit, of, the spirit of truth comes from the things of the Holy Spirit, the things that the Spirit of God does in our life. Also, the spirit of truth comes from the Word of God because the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, okay, It is the eternal, unchanging truth that God has given us. And it is uh, what produces the spirit of truth. And then there's the spirit of error. The spirit of error. The spirit of error comes from fallen man. It comes from fallen man. It comes from man's way of thinking. It comes from man's philosophies. It, It comes ultimately from Satan but it comes from fallen man's thinkings. And, and Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition rather than on Christ. Okay? Spirit of truth, spirit of error. Spirit of truth comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from God, comes from his word. The spirit of error comes from fallen man, philosophies, and ultimately from Satan. My question for you this morning is, what spirit are you listening to? We have to ask that question in everyday life as we open our heart to information in this world. Who who are we listening to? And when they they don't gel, when they don't come together, whose report are we going to believe? Whose word are we going to take? The world's word or God's word? I hope and pray It will always be God's word. When it comes to life and death, where, life and faith, excuse me, where are we getting our information from? Where are we getting our information from? In this passage, in these six verses, he nails it down to the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So I wanna give you an outline of where we're going this morning. Six verses in this outline. The first verse is the command, the second verse is the spirit of truth. Verse 3 is the spirit of error. And then verses 4 through 6 is the application. How you and I are to guard ourselves from the spirit of error. So y'all ready to take a look at it? Let's look at the command, verse Uh, 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. The word of God says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The first thing John tells us here in this verse, he says, do not believe every spirit. In other words, what he's saying is, don't believe everything you hear, okay? Don't believe everything you hear. Don't swallow down everything hook, line, and sinker. Let everything be filtered biblically through a biblical worldview. Who are the spirits he's talking about? Is he, are we supposed to go test these invisible people, these invisible spirits in the world? No, no. When he, the spirits that he's talking about here in verse 1 are, here it is, guys, people who claim to speak from God. People that claim to speak for God. Uh, I, saw, I read a research poll this week. There are an estimated 385,000 religious meetings going on across America today, okay? So that means if there's 385,000 religious worship services going on, that means there are 385,000 spirits speaking across our country today in pulpits. And every single person that preaches from a pulpit needs to be examined, including myself. We need to be good Bereans We need to be students of the word and we need to examine just like I think it's Acts chapter 17 where it says that they they diligently studied the scriptures to make sure everything that Paul was saying was correct. And we have to do the same thing. You know, whether you're listening to a preacher on TV, you're listening to somebody in this pulpit, or you're listening to anyone when it comes to spiritual matters, you need to be a good Berean. You need to be a good Berean. But notice what he says here in verse 1. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. He says to test them, to test the spirits. That word test means to examine. It means to examine. It means to look closely and check it out from top to bottom. We are called to do that with every ministry that we sit under or every ministry that we fall under. A couple of years ago, I got the excitement and the joy of going to Golden Motors. You may have heard of Golden Motors over on Lake Murray Boulevard. They got some really nice trucks. Let me tell you what. My car was breaking down. It wasn't worth the repair. So I said, "Talk to the wife. She gave me permission, of course. And uh, it said, it's time to go get a truck. So I go up to Golden Motors, and I see this beautiful black Dodge Ram with this V8 Hemi and it was just beautiful. I loved the price, I loved the way it looked, and I was just so excited about it. And the salesman was was like, would you like to take it for a test drive? And I said, absolutely, absolutely. So we got in the truck, I got in the truck, and I told the salesman, I says, hey, you might wanna buckle up your seatbelt. He's like, what? I said, you might wanna buckle up your seatbelt, we're going for a test drive. So he, he put his seatbelt on, I put my seatbelt on, we got out on Lake Murray Boulevard, and that V8 Hemi, let me tell you something, it will get up and go. Because Pastor David put the pedal to the metal, and he floored it. He floored it down Lake Murray Boulevard. And I'm going down the road. I'm flying down the road. We're coming up on a red light. And, and I didn't just uh, slow down nice and slow. I waited to the very last moment. I want to see what these brakes are going to do. And I came up to a stop, tested the brakes. Then we went down this road. We went down this road. And I cut on the, uh, the radio full blast. I cut the AC all the way cold. I want to make sure it was cold. I turned the heat on. I want to make sure we were getting nice and warm. I checked all the windows. I checked all the lights. I looked over everything. Then I got outside, got back to GMC, and I got back to Golden Motors, and I went up under and I looked up under the hood with my flashlight looking for oil leaks. I wanted to know what I was getting myself into. I thoroughly examined that. My daughter, she uh, bought a house, bought a house this past year. And she said, Dad, can you come over and um, look at this house with me? I said, absolutely, absolutely. I got my old clothes on. got my flashlight. I crawled up under all through that crawl space, breathing in dirt, no telling what else I was breathing in. But I was looking at every crack, crevice in the, in, up, up on the subfloor looking for leaks, but I examined it closely because I wanted to make sure my daughter was getting a good deal, just like I wanted to make sure I was getting a good deal for my truck. You and I are called to do the same thing with the ministries that we sit ourselves under, okay? We're called to examine them, look at them closely. You, You know, is the preacher, is the ministry, are they practicing what they preach? Are they not only teaching it, but are they living it? And that's very important for leaders and pastors and teachers, including myself and all the other uh, pastors in the area and ministries. Are we practicing what we preach? Are we rightly dividing the word of truth? Are we rightly dividing the word of truth? Are we preaching it in season, out of season, correcting, rebuking, training so that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped? Those are the things you need to look for in a church. Those are the things you need to look for in ministries that you want to listen to or watch. You know, there's some ministries on TV. There's ministries maybe you want to watch online, but you need to look closely. You need to test them, as the scripture says. All ministries. Why? At the end of verse one, he says, Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Family, this is the command. This is the command. Verse 1 is the command to you and I. You and I must be careful to examine every teacher to see if they are from God. You know, um, before I was a Calvary Chapel pastor, before I found Calvary Chapel, 2006, just before that, me and Irene, had we were going from church to church and we were shopping, and there was this one thing I wanted when I walked into the church, is, is Pastor, please teach me the word. Just open the Bible. You can teach from Genesis to Revelation. I don't care, because it's all profitable. But just open the Word. But we got to grow. we got to learn in the Word. And we got to make sure we're te- we're, um, the ministries are teaching the Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, should be up on the screen. It says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine what? Everything carefully. As we talked about, looking at the car, looking at the house, looking at ministries. We examine everything carefully, and we hold fast to that, which is good. In other words, he's saying, be spiritual, but do not despise prophetic words. Do not despise prophetic teaching. Is their prophetic word grounded in the truth of Scripture? Okay? I, I love, I, my, my passion is verse-by-verse teaching, expository teaching. That's, that's all I will ever do uh, on Sunday mornings is I always want to go through the Word. There's nothing wrong with topical teaching from time to time, okay? But at Calvary Chapel, we focus on expository. But from time to time, there's a season... And a time for everything, where we look at certain topics, as we're going to do starting in January with the Holy Spirit on Wednesday nights. We're going to look at that topic. We're going to do a topical study through the Scriptures on what the Scripture teaches on the Holy Spirit. But regardless of whether you're teaching topical or expository, it needs to be grounded in the truth of Scripture. We need to be Bereans. We need to be Bereans, as I mentioned a while ago. It's found in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It says they were. They were more noble-minded than those who were at Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Who were the Bereans examining? Paul. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. Well, guess what? If Paul's got to be examined, what does that say for the rest of us? you got to be examined. Let's look at verse 2. So that's the command. Verse 1 is the command. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 is, I'm calling, this is the definition um, of the spirit of truth. He says in verse 2, By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So here, John is describing the spirit of truth. Okay, what the spirit of truth, excuse me, not the spirit of truth, but what the spirit of truth proclaims. What the spirit of truth says to people. And John wastes no time. John wastes no time in this portion of scripture, in going straight to the most important doctrine in the Bible. What is the most important doctrine in the Bible? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We have to get that right, okay? We have to, to, to get that right, as we'll see later on in Galatians 1 8. Where, where Paul will say, uh, if we preach another gospel contrary to the one that's written, let him be an anathema, let him be a curse. But he's talking about who is Jesus. Family, there's a number of things we can, we can disagree on, okay? There's a number of things that we can disagree on and still have fellowship. We can disagree on eschatology, okay? Some of us, like myself, are pre-trib. Some people are mid-trib. Some people are post-trib. Some people are pre-wrath. And some some people put uh, eschatology, the last days, the book of Revelation, in different orders, but we all believe the same thing, that it's going to happen in the future, okay? And we can have fellowship. We can have healthy discussions and healthy debates. Matter of fact, I'm a pre-trib guy, completely through and through, and you can't move me, you can't budge me, but to my mid-trib, post-trib, and pre-wrath, and everyone else, God bless you, brother. I think you're wrong. <laughs> but guess what? You think I'm wrong too. So we're all in the same boat together. But let's have healthy discussion. Let's talk about it. One day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to be laughing and one of us is going to be saying to the other, uh, you were right. <laughs> That's okay though. We can, we can disagree on that. How about speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues is an issue that divides many in the body of Christ. It don't divide me. I love my Reformed Baptist brothers who do not exercise or practice that gift. I have wonderful, sweet fellowship with my brothers who do not exercise the gift of speaking in tongues. But I also have fellowship with my Pentecostal brothers. As long as they're solid in the word and and they exercise, they have a prayer language of uh, speaking in tongues, I have fellowship with both. Okay, that, that, that is not something that's going to divide me from another brother or sister in Christ. We're gonna have some healthy discussion. We're gonna celebrate our differences and we, it's gonna all work out in the end. But what we're talking about here in this text, this is a hill we die on. This, this, this will divide us. This will divide us if we do not agree. On who Jesus Christ is. Because this is the cornerstone of the scripture. And what I want you to notice in verse 2. Look at it. He says two things about Christ Jesus. That's very important. I don't know if you if saw him or not. But he says, By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ. was the next four, five words? Has come in the flesh. There's two phrases there I want to pull out of here. And the first one he says. Jesus Christ, the first phrase is, has come. He has come. He's went from point A to point B. What is this speaking of? This is speaking of his incarnation. See, Jesus did not come into existence at his birth. He had spent all eternity with the Father. You know that doctrine, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Lord Jesus left the Father's side and came to this earth, and wrapped himself in flesh, and became the Word in the flesh, God in the flesh. This speaks of his incarnation. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. That's if if you want to if, if if you want to argue or debate that, you got to take every book out of the New Testament, because the entire New Testament testifies that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. John opens up. This is John's epistle written at the end of his life but well the gospel of John also may have been written around that same time but John right opening up his gospel letter with the life and ministry of Jesus listen how he opens it up he says in the beginning was the word the word is talking about Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with God so he was with the father in the beginning and the word was God Jesus is deity. He was in the beginning with God. Okay? Deity. God. Eternal God. Lord, as Thomas said, my Lord and my God. The author of Hebrews says, in Hebrews 1:3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So, Jesus Christ in our our study of verse 2, he has come. He has come from heaven to earth, and he he is deity. He is Lord. He is God. He is not like one of us. He is not human. He took on flesh like us, but he's eternal God. And then the second phrase in verse 2, after he says Christ has come, look at the next three words in the flesh. In the flesh. In other words, God took on flesh and blood at the incarnation, okay? He wasn't some spiritual being as some false religions, but he took on flesh and blood. He could be touched. He could be heard. He could be seen. He could be followed as we see him in the gospels, John, in this same letter, he opens up this letter that we're studying now. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-2. through two, He gets to this point, talking about Christ's humanity. He says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, what we have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. He took... Own flesh. That was the only way that God could pay the price for our sins. He took on a physical body so that he could go to Calvary. Okay? Theologians call this the hypostatic union. Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. Is that hard to get your mind wrapped around? How is he 100% God, 100% man? Welcome to the club but we're talking about God. We're talking about deity. We're talking about the Lord. So this is the spirit of truth. This is the spirit of truth that Jesus Christ was eternal God. He, put on, he took on flesh. He came into this world, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, suffered and died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to the right hand of the Father. That is the Jesus that Christians believe in because that is the Jesus that the New Testament teaches. That is the clear, plain, straightforward teaching of the New Testament. And we have to hold to that dearly with all of our hearts. We have to hold to it dearly. Let's look at the spirit of error. That's the spirit of truth. Who is Jesus? That's the kingpin. That's the, the, the most important doctrine. Verse three is the spirit of error. Look at verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard that is coming, and now is already in the world. Now John switches over to what? The spirit of error. The spirit of error. And this is the false teaching that's in our world that does one or two things concerning the person of Jesus. One, they deny his deity. They deny that he, he is God. And they say, well, he was just a man. He was just a person. No, that's not what the scripture teaches. He was God. Or they deny his humanity. Or or they get in there and they they distort. They distort the Jesus of the New Testament. Man, this Jesus in the New Testament, the Jesus of the New Testament, my kids can understand. This Jesus of the New Testament, you can understand. It's very simple. 100% God, 100% man, lived a sinless, perfect life, came and died on the cross rose from the grave seated at the right hand of the father such a simple doctrine in my mind for someone with childlike faith to understand to believe and to trust but unfortunately there are groups out there that will twist this doctrine that will twist who Christ is some examples is the mormons believe and i'm just i'm quoting from their website the Mormons believe that Jesus is a created spirit child of God who attained to Godhood. And they hold to that Jesus is the spirit brother of Satan. You do, that's nowhere in the Bible. That's nowhere in the New Testament that Jesus and Satan are brothers. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jehovah Witnesses teach From their website, I found Jesus was once Michael the archangel, that there was Michael the archangel, and somehow or another, he morphed into Jesus um, at the birth. I don't understand it, but the Jehovah Witnesses, they deny that he is God. They deny that he is the eternal God. Muslims, Muslims believe in Jesus. Muslims believe in Jesus, but they'll tell you he was a prophet, he was, he was just a prophet, nothing special about him. He was, they'll say, yeah, we believe in Jesus. He was a prophet. He was a spokesman. The problem with these guys is they do not preach the Jesus of the New Testament. And Paul says, the Word of God says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you another gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, Let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. Do you see the emphasis the New Testament puts on the person of Jesus? This is not a secondary issue. This is a salvation issue. This is a number one issue. And what you and I need to do, more than anything, is we need to pray. We need to pray fervently for our friends in these false religions that they will leave behind, that they will leave behind the Book of Mormons, that they will leave behind the Watchtower Society, that they will leave behind the Koran, and that they would completely trust in the Jesus of the New Testament as He's revealed in Scripture. Do you see where they do you see where they, they err? Some of these some of these people are the nicest people in the world that that I consider friends and And they're just really nice people. But what they do is they add to the Bible. You know, the the Book of Mormons, the Watchtower Society, the Quran, all those other things. We don't add none of those things because the Scripture and the Scripture alone is the Word of God. And that, my friend, is the spirit of error, is when we don't get it right on who Jesus is. This is the gospel that men and women for 2,000 years have died for they've went to the stake for they've been burned they've been, been uh, tortured they've gone to prison for this sole doctrine of who Christ is and as Christians and as representatives of Christ in a spirit of love in a spirit of compassion and in a spirit of wanting to help other people we've got to say no This is what the scripture teaches, that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is God. Family, when it comes to spiritual matters and um, spiritual matters, when it comes to religion, when it comes to things we believe in this world, the scripture is very clear. There are only two spirits in this world, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The spirit of truth teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, perfect life and that he is Lord and God. The spirit of error, and I know you've heard it. I know you've heard it because I have. The spirit of error says, "Ah, eh, believe whatever you want to believe. Believe whatever you want to believe. It's all good. Virgin birth, eh, no big deal. Don't worry about it. You ain't got to hold on to it. Well, Christ, he may have sinned. Possibly. We don't know all the details of his life. He probably sinned some... Sometimes here and there, maybe it's not recorded in the scripture. You know, well, well, we think he's God. You know, he claims to be God. You know, the writers wrote and changed the Bible three, four hundred years later and all that mess, which there's no backing for. And well, we think he's God, well, Jesus is one of many ways to God. That is the spirit of error. That is the spirit of error because Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. No, listen to this. It's in verse 7, 6, 7, 8 right in there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He's the only ticket to heaven because he's the only one that's provided for our salvation. Family, let's listen to the spirit of truth found in the scriptures and let's refute the spirit of error in our age. So there you have it. Verse 1 is the command um, Verse, verse two is the spirit of truth. Verse three is the spirit of error. Now application, application for you guys. What do we do with this information? Maybe you're asking, Pastor David, how do I, how do I guard myself from the spirit of error and walk in the spirit of truth? Well, if you're asking that question, I'm glad you did. Let's see what the scripture says. because That's where he goes in verse four. Verse four, he says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What is John talking about here? He's talking about being born again. He's talking about being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit of God from being born again. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. As a matter of fact, this is the passage I'm gonna open up with. Come January, because I'm already starting to prep for our Wednesday night study in January. But I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite passages on the subject and the person of the Holy Spirit. But but verse 4 says, Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Who is in you if you're a believer in Christ? The Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14 I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Do you see everything that's said in that one passage of scripture about the Holy Spirit? When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you become born again, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells in your heart. And he's there for what? In verse 16, forever, he said in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then I love it in verse 17. That the, um, as we're studying in John, 1 John chapter 4, talking about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, if you notice in 1 John uh, chapter 4, the uh, spirit of truth, S, is in lowercase. Because he's talking about, in general, the spirit of truth. But in this passage, look at... Um, Verse 17, S in spirit is capitalized because it's a reference to the Holy Spirit being called the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, he will always point you to the truth of Scripture. Okay? Remember that. The Holy Spirit, Christ in you, will always point you to the word. He'll always point you to the truth of the scripture, the plain, literal, historical, grammatical interpretation of scripture. Let the words say what they say, mean what they mean, and he will always point you to the truth of Jesus, okay? One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in the life of the church is to magnify Jesus. That's how you know a church is spirit-filled, Is they want to magnify Christ. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is at work in our church. And he wants to magnify Jesus. He wants to magnify the cross. Wants to magnify his resurrection. Wants to magnify his ascension. And wants people to fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit does. And the Spirit of truth. Because the Spirit of truth now, check this out. Because the Spirit of truth is pointing you to the Word of God, and the Spirit of truth is pointing you to Jesus. When you hear a false teaching, whoop, 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 whoop the Holy Spirit will sound the alarm and say, uh oh, that don't sound right. That's what the Spirit does. That's what the Spirit does. Because the Spirit's gonna point you to the Word, the Spirit's gonna point you to Christ. And when you hear something that's not right, the Spirit's gonna sound the alarm. I'm going to let you know that this ain't right. Oh, hold, hold, hold on one second, sir. Let me, let, me, let, me go check that, let me go check the Bible real quick, what you're saying here. You, you see what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit points to the Word. It's going to point us to being a, a good Berean and studying the Scripture and making sure what anybody is saying is correct. That's how we overcome. Because here it is, verse 4 of our study. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The Holy Spirit's in you, pointing you to Christ, pointing you to Scripture, and and, and sounding the alarm when you hear something that's not right. So that's number one. You've been born again. You have the Spirit of God. That's how he guards us from the Spirit of error. We walk in the Spirit of truth. Look at verse 5. It says, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. Family, we do not listen to the world, When it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to truth, when it comes to morality, we listen to God and God alone in his word. Here, right here, we can circle verse five and say, right here, here is the reason the world walks in a spirit of error. Right there, right there. Because the world listens to man's philosophies to man's way of thinking and the false teaching. The world takes man's word over God's word. And my friend, that is fatal. That is fatal when you take the word of man, a mere mortal human being, over the word of the eternal, unchanging God. You're getting into very dangerous territory, okay? The world, the... The ungodly world trusts in man's philosophies over the word of God. And the word of God is sitting right there in Colossians chapter two, verse eight, saying, hey, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition rather than on Christ. The scripture warns us to protect us. Why? To guard your heart. I don't know about you, but I want pure and undefiled truth in my life. I'm not here to be a religious person. I'm here because I'm convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. I'm convinced that there truly is a place called heaven. I'm convinced that there truly is a place called hell. I'm truly convinced that unless men repent and turn from their sins and put their trust in Christ, they will perish on judgment day. And we got a hold of these truths because that's the scripture. And if a person, me included, me included, you, all of us, if a person chooses to take man's word over God's word, he is a fool. He is a fool. It's a very fatal mistake when it comes to your walk with the Lord and it, when it comes to living a strong spiritual life for God and for his glory. You and I, we listen And we follow and we obey the word of the Lord. And in all situations, in all matters, there's not faith. This is a faith issue. This is a life issue. No, faith and life, they go hand in hand. They go together. And in all matters, the word trumps. His word, the Bible, trumps their word. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 97. We're talking, about, and what we're looking at is trusting in the word over trusting in man's word. And I want you to hear King David's heart and his passion for the scriptures, for the word of God. Psalms chapter 119, verse 97. King David says this, Psalms 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Do you love the word of God? Do you love God's word? Does it bring joy to your heart? Do you, like, do you love to just sit and soak it in? I like to go into my favorite place in my house, whether it's in the corner of my bedroom, at my little chair, or at my desk in my study, and just read the scriptures. And what it does is it makes me love God more. he says, it is the meditation. It is my meditation all the day. You know, I'll read a passage of scripture and there'll be a verse that just grabs my heart and then I'll just meditate on that scripture the rest of the day. I might forget it the next day. But I will meditate on it all that day. I consider my devotional time reading the scriptures. All right, Lord, I'm going to read this passage. I want to apply it to my life. But give me a verse that I can meditate on the rest of this day. He says, verse, uh, verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. Do you want wisdom? Do you want wisdom in life? You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the art of skillful living. You wanna walk in wisdom? You wanna have the art of skillful living? Spend time in the word. This book will teach you how to live a godly, wisdom-filled life, okay? This is the source of wisdom. And this man's word has no wisdom, but the word of God has wisdom. He says here, um, verse 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Man, the more we keep the word of God in our hearts, the more we'll hate sin. The more we keep the word of God in our hearts, we will flee. It will teach us the word of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of us will teach us to flee from evil and run from evil. If you're struggling with temptation, you're struggling with pornography, you're struggling with lying or all the thousands of whatever sin you're struggling with, get your mind and heart in the word of God. And he will give you victory in that area as you Discipline yourself to meditate on the word. I have restrained my feet from every evil way when we keep his word. Verse 102 I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. Man, why would you turn away from the Lord? Give me one good reason not to serve Christ. One, there are none. Psalms 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. You know there's benefits to serving Christ? I shared this with the Dutch Fork High School football team on Friday. There's benefits to serving Christ. There's there's benefits to living for him. It talks about in that passage, who heals all your disease. He heals our physical disease, our mental disease, our emotional disease. He, he, He forgives all of our sin he sets your path on the right course. He restores your life. He restores your mind, your heart, your marriage. He can do all those things in your life if you will trust in him and trust in his word over the world's word, over the world's word. And then look at verse 103. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You know, when we come to that point where we read this book, not just as a book, not just as the Bible, as much as I love the Bible, but as we read it for what it is the very word of God speaking into our life. You know, How do you approach the Bible when you read it? Can I give you a few tips, a few words, nuggets of truths, and things I've learned over the years? One, before you open your Bible, pray. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand what you're about to read. Seek the Lord, pray, understand. Understand that it is the very Word of God and let it come alive. Let it come alive. Let it be, as the the psalmist says here, sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. It fills our hearts, it fills our minds with the most awesome, glorious, beautiful experience there is, is knowing God through the revelation, the the special revelation of his word. He says, uh, verse 104, from your precepts, I get understanding. You know, the word of God helps us understand life. It helps us understand God. It it helps us get through life. It teaches um, husbands how to treat their wives. It teaches wives how to treat their husbands. It teaches us parents how to treat our children. It is very valuable, okay? It is very, very beneficial. It, It applies to everything in life. Everything in life, it covers every area of your life. From the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you lay your head down. How you work at work, how you take care of your family, how you do life. And look at Psalms 105, excuse me, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What the scripture does is it goes before us and it lights the path. What's it lighting the pathway to? It's taking us down the path of light to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the benefits of the Word of God. It's It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It shows us how to go. You don't know where to go in life? You're not sure what to do? Go to the Word of God. Let it light the path. Let the Lord show you through His Word in which direction to go. Back to our study. Back to our study, we, we, we were looking at how to guard yourself from the spirit of error and walk in the spirit of truth. Number one, we said, What? You have the Holy Spirit. Number two is what? We, we, we listen to, to God's word over man's word, and it, it addresses everything in life. And then he kind of he digs a little fur, further into this thought at verse six. Look at verse six. Verse six, our last verse this morning. It says, We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, what I want you to notice in verse 6 is is the personal pronouns. John is placing great emphasis, not on you and I, but on the authors who wrote the New Testament. Look at it verse 6. He says, we are from God. And then he says, he who knows God listens to us. And then he says, he who is not from God does not listen to us. John is placing a special emphasis here in this one verse uh, on the authors of scripture, on the, on the, on the disciples who wrote the word. And this, and this final way that we overcome is not only do we accept the word of God, but we, here it is, we accept the entire New Testament apostolic message of the Lord Jesus Christ he he said this is how you know you're walking in the spirit is that you believe everything that's written about Jesus in these books that's why we leave nothing out that's why we firmly hold to the virgin birth We, we firmly hold to every detail of his life every miracle yes it was a miracle it was supernatural it was not it could not be done in the natural realm he turned that water into wine. Boom! And he, Lazarus, Lazarus was dead in the grave, and he was stinking. And Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus wasn't in there like halfway alive or in some kind of little Zoom, kind of little sleeping mode. No, it was a supernatural miracle. We accept the entire New Testament apostolic message. When we listen to the message, John's saying here, that we disciples have written. He says, we talking about disciples, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. In other words, in this time frame, in the historical setting, uh, there, there, was, there was Gnostic teaching out there. And the Gnostic teaching was saying that uh, that he was just a spiritual being, and that there was there was nothing material about Christ. And and, and they are having to counter this false teaching and preach the clear truth of the gospel. No, 100% God, 100% man, and everything that we've written about him in the New Testament is 100% true, and you can bank your life on it. You You can set this as your foundation of your life, everything that's written in here. That's what he's saying. We accept everything that the New Testament teaches, and most importantly, the one that we look forward to, the rapture, the return of Christ, where he splits that eastern sky and he comes again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. Those are the truths that we hold to and we do not bend. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, by holding to the word of God and standing firm on everything the scripture says. In closing, I want to give you three takeaways I want to give you three takeaways from um, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Three bullet points that I believe every believer should learn from the scriptures in these six verses. Number one, number one, you must be discerning with every ministry or teacher you follow, including me, including every teacher, every ministry, anybody you listen to, anybody you watch on TV or you watch online or you listen to the radio— or a guest speaker comes to this pulpit, or I'm preaching, or whoever. We need to be discerning for every ministry, and we need to examine them closely, just like I examined my truck that day. Look them up and down. Check it out. Check out the foundation. See what see what's going on here. We got to be discerning. You got to be discerning. That's not, that's not me speaking. That's First uh, John chapter four verse one. The command to be discerning. Number two, what's your standard? The standard for your discernment is the Bible. Is the Bible. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's plain. It's simple. It's truth. It's easy to understand. Uh, a child can understand it. An adult can understand it. Childlike faith. We accept what the word of God says. But our discernment is the scripture. When we hear something that doesn't sound right, we need to say, um, you know, make a little ch- put, put a little mark there and go back to the scriptures and check and see if that is correct and that is accurate. Thirdly, the third takeaway that I present to you this morning is this this is for your benefit. This is for your benefit. This benefits you. Exercising discernment or um, testing the spirits will protect you from the spirit of error and ensure you walk in the spirit of truth. You know, I don't know about you, but I want the whole truth nothing but the truth, so help me God. You know, I wanna study the Bible, not so I can make my brain explode and my head get big and all this religious pride and all this other things going on, but it's because I just wanna understand the Lord. I wanna understand my Lord and Savior. And I don't wanna be duped. I don't wanna be duped. I don't wanna be lied to. I just want the truth. So, you know, preacher, just open up the Bible. Teach me what it says. Christians, believers, open up your Bible, trust it, believe it, and live out what it says. And when you do this, you will walk in the spirit of truth and avoid the errors from the spirit or avoid the mistakes that come from walking to the errors of this world. Amen? I want to pray for you guys. You know, as I was studying it this week, this was a reminder to me. You know, be a Berean. You know, uh, preach the word in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, train, so that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped. Um, amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for this, uh, this exhortation from your word in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-6. through where we're told to test the spirits. And, uh, Lord, help us. Father, I pray for every believer here, every one of us, including myself. God, give us a, a, just an awareness of the culture and the day and, time we're, day and times we're living in, Lord, and help us to uh, test the spirits, to be discerning, and not just open our hearts to willy-nilly everything, Lord, but open our hearts completely to your word and to your truth so that we can guard ourselves and walk in the spirit of truth and not in the spirit of error. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Father, I pray your blessing over all of God's people. Pray, Lord, that you do great and mighty things in our church, that you continue to work mightily by your Holy Spirit, and lead us, lead us, Father, as we move forward at Calvary Chapel Irmo. Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.